You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we're returning to the monthly series, Back to the Future, in which we discuss the renewed interest in traditional approaches to food, farming, and natural resource preservation. Today, we're speaking with Margaret May, Regional Program Lead at the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association, about management and innovations in soil health and at-risk species. Welcome, Margaret. Thanks. Wonderful to have you here today. Margaret, what is the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association and what does it do? So this is a provincial association, very much grassroots. We have uh, chapters in most counties and those farmers perform local research trials on the field scale. They share lots of information amongst each other and best management practices. We also have a program delivery arm for the province that delivers educational workshops, cost share programs for government and for private industry. So we've kind of got two sides to us. Margaret, you mentioned research. What kind of research is going on with the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association? Well, right right now, uh, nitrogen and nitrous oxide emissions are, are very timely. So we're working to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And a lot of the local associations are working to test some of those uh, polymer-coated nitrogens or test the nitrification inhibitors and the stabilizers to see how well they work and if there's any impact on their yield while they're using them. So they realize they're not necessarily designed for yield boost. Test some some innovative new equipment, you know, just to see what works. I was listening to you with all of those technical terms. We've come a long way from, um, you know, the children's storybooks of old McDonald's farm. But it's also encouraging that there is uh, innovation and leadership happening across Ontario farms, but also across the nation and elsewhere. And you had mentioned that the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association is a grass roots structure. Why is this important? Well, uh, agriculture is a constantly evolving crew, right? Things happen, things change very quickly, and farmers need to keep up to date. So with contact with local farmers who are, you know, that's the job they're doing every day, we can keep current and keep sharing that information. So it's it's critical that we keep a connection with the people who are doing that every day to keep the association vibrant and in touch with everything else that's going on. And that's where the knowledge is. No one knows the particular farm's land uh, better than the farmer who's farming it every day. And nobody has the technical expertise greater than the person who's actually applying the practice or trying to trying out something new to see if it worked or it didn't work. So I think that's a really great model. And uh, another thing that I really was interested in when I was looking at the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association's website is, is the organization's motto is farmers working with farmers. Can you expand on this? Sure. We have some field delivery staff that, that work on the program side. Uh, most of I'm one of those. And most of us live in, and work on a farm besides, you know, with our families, of course. We don't spend, I don't spend much time actually farming. My family does. So we are very connected to what we're doing. And that gains us some respect with the rest of the farmers because they realize that we're living and breathing the same things we are. Local associations 
that that have membership have all kinds of commodity groups represented. So everything from ginseng to vegetables to grape growers to fruit growers, all livestock and all kinds of crop producers see value in a membership with Ontario Soil and Crop because it keeps them current, it keeps them informed, and we try and keep them abreast of all the the new technologies and, and information sessions that are happening. So commonality that it everyone's farming or very closely connected to farming, but also so diversified when you talked from grapes to livestock to ginseng, that what a range of knowledge and contribution that's being pulled together and shared and coordinated at the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association. Very, very impressive. One of the things that led me to invite you to the show today, Margaret, is the Species at Risk Farm Incentive Program. I saw a wonderful article about turtles. And I'd like to ask you a little bit more details about the program overall and what it's about and what it's doing. Sure. Well, we, we've been honoured to deliver the Species at Risk program at Ontario Soil and Crop for quite a number of years now. It comes out on a yearly basis and it's very much designed to provide funding to agricultural landowners that are interested in habitat creation or enhancement or protection of some of those species at risk. So Ontario has quite an extensive species at risk list. There's more than 230 species, I think, on that list in Ontario. And this program provides an opportunity for us to look at the land that we farm and think about where are the spots that we could help provide habitat for some of those species so that we don't lose them. Wow, what an incredible program. And you had mentioned that, you know, over 200, so quite a bit of uh, species on the at-risk list. And certainly farmers being connected to so much of the land, being able to be innovators and contributors um, for handling the problems that are being faced in that area. What are some of the most common at-risk species? Well, we hear lots about uh, bobolink and barn swallows and barn owls, some of those turtles that you talked about. Uh, There's all kinds of plants that are on that species at risk list. Uh, Bald eagles, another one. So some of them are are common in some areas of the province, but really not ever seen in some others. There are lots of mussels, there are lots of minnows and small fish that are on that list too. So water is definitely a priority for parts of the program. Wow, so really, really a broad scale again across the species at risk that farmers are looking at uh, creating some change for. And you know, you mentioned the owls and when I grew up, I grew up on a farm and uh, we had a barn owl and we used to see great horned owls all the time. And we didn't see them for quite a while recently, but the bald eagles, I never saw as a child. And my dad, I was hard to believe, you know, you see the bald eagle on television and on coins and things like that. And he said, they used to be in this area. I thought, oh no, dad's just saying that, but they're back. We're starting to see some bald eagles back on the farm that my brother's now farming. And uh, so one of the things that I find so um, incredibly encouraging is how forgiving almost nature is and the species are that if we do adapt, we may have made some mistakes or need some intervention, but it is so forgiving in that we can bring things back. And whether that's the water, the minnows and mussels you were talking about, or whether that's some of the plant species, that it's really, really very interesting. And I'm wondering, Margaret, what are some of the top priorities for the Species at Risk Farm Incentive Program? Well, it's really that priority to to create habitat and protect the habitat that's there. So maybe grow it a little bit. You, You said, you know, you didn't see any bald eagles when you were a kid. I didn't either. 
Uh, now I do. Uh, I see lots of barn owls where we farm. We have bobolink on our pasture and we try and maintain the pasture so that we have that. So we're really trying to bring an awareness of what those species require in terms of habitat and help farmers find a spot or a way to incorporate those species at risk within their farming business. And this program is very generously funded by the Ontario Minister of the Environment, Conservation and Parks through that Species at Risk Stewardship Program. So we are we are very thankful that it appears every year. We have landowners that are eagerly awaiting the announcement of the start of the program because they have an idea for a new project. Wow, I, that is great. That is generous funding. And you were talking about the bobolinks and pastures. And I, I can't say enough about that on this show that we need our grazers. And we, I often was thinking, you know, endangered um, areas, I think often of the rainforest, and certainly that requires attention, but the Canadian grasslands are also on that list. And we need our grazers to be able to work with the biodiversity farmers and communities and funders to be able to make it all happen. So that's just one example of the many that uh, I know we need to put some time and attention into. And part of why we do this show is to raise awareness on the programs that are happening, not only in the province, but across the nation and to give some hope, but also to educate and help people look for where things are being done because farmers are hard at it every day. What is one of the most rewarding experiences, Margaret, that you've had working with farmers who are innovators in the Species at Risk Farm Incentive Program? Well, the absolute best part is is we go out and, and verify these projects once they're completed. So we get to go visit the farm and see what they've done. So we've seen their plan when they submit it. And then to go and see the finished project really makes it all come to life. So So two of the most innovative that I've seen I had a farmer who was very fond of a particular species of snake. He'd seen them on his farm property and decided he was going to construct snake hibernaculum so that that species would continue to thrive on his property. Now, I'm not necessarily a snake lover, but to see that hibernaculum created was was really neat. I also have a landowner who's done some extensive work on his property with some some wetlands and some wildlife ponds. And he now hosts a nature walk twice a year. So he invites people to come and and tour through his wetland area and see the species that are there. So that's that's quite a leap from somebody who's, you know, used to kind of farming on their own and he's opening up his farm to let everybody else enjoy those species that are there. That is a real contribution. And I know um, grades one to eight and grade uh, nine science now, the ministry announced last, well, March, 2022, that food literacy was going to be part of school programming. And it is the food system education. It's it's nutrition and food safety, which is fantastic, but hands-on food system education is part of it. And what a wonderful resource to have a farmer in the area to open up all his expertise, but also what's happening on the farm. Well, thank you, Margaret, for your leadership and all the progress that's happening through the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association. After the break, we'll hear more about innovation and what's next in at-risk species and soil health. This is Food for the Future. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
Welcome back. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist. You've been listening to Food for the Future. We're speaking with Margaret May, Regional Program Lead at the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association about innovation and at-risk species. Margaret, education, you had mentioned before the show, is one of the things that the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association offers not only to members, but to the broader community. It's such an important part of program implementation and successful change. Can you tell us about some of the education initiatives that you have focusing on strengths and opportunities? Well, we offer a series of educational workshops that are directed to the producers. So one the environmental farm plan looks at their physical farm business that and identify your strengths and, and maybe your areas of concern and, and make a plan for dealing with those areas of concern. Uh, growing your farm profits looks at your business management skills. And we kind of, we ask participants, you know, where do you want to be in five years and how are you going to get there? So we're helping develop a sort of a roadmap to move the business forward. And the other one that we deliver very regularly is a biosecurity workshop. And those are targeted by commodity. And we're talking about how to keep your plants or your livestock safe and free from disease. So we don't want to transfer disease from one farm to another. So what kind of biosecurity measures should we put in place? And these are all self-assessments. They are directed, but they are self-assessments. And the strength of the process is that if a farmer decides they have a problem, they're more liable to do something about it. Right. And that they've been part of the process. Right. Um, It hasn't come down from some external sort of evaluator voice or mandate or whatever. Reflective practice and quality assurance is part of best management practices. So it's great to have both the business and the biodiversity, two areas that we're really, really thinking about a lot these days. New ideas are needed in soil sustainability. And how does the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association collaborate in research activities in this area? So we we deliver programs for both the federal and the provincial governments. And the last few years, the focus has been on soil health through the Canadian Agricultural Partnership. So we delivered incentives for farmers to make changes to improve their soil health. And, and as those changes are talked about and discovered, and there's, you know, new research comes forth, then, then farmers are quite willing to take part in that. They try it on their farm to see if it works. Once they've discovered it works, they're they're quite willing to adopt it. And once one adopts it and they share it with their neighbors, that's how best management practices spread around for sure. Soil and crops also involved in some initiatives. One is Living Labs, which that information is posted on our website. We're also involved in an on-farm program where producers do research on their farm in collaboration with professional researchers. And that data is gathered and distributed at uh, farm tours or at winter meetings, and definitely with all the membership. So there's a lot going on. You know, uh, I don't know how farmers are doing it with their busy days working the land and caring for animals, but fitting in research as well, real committed group and how nice to have the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association to coordinate and facilitate and share the information that's found. And you had mentioned grassroots again. So we're sort of back to the beginning on why the structure of Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association is very much grassroots and farmers working with farmers. I think that's a a really great approach. Margaret, we take a humanities approach on the show. So philosophy, history, and creativity. 
we try to add that to today's food dialogue. How can these approaches help us support the farmers who are working hard to improve soil health and at-risk species? Well, I think our farmers are always looking back at history. You know, what what did I do last year? What did I do the year before? And what was the result? Uh, The thing that we really don't have any control of is the weather. So we have to try and guess what Mother Nature is going to do. And and I'm sure most farmers I know would say they they subscribe to philosophy for sure because they they are determined to produce a crop or to raise livestock in the the most sustainable way they can and at at a good cost so that they can as you say keep their businesses going. So ed, those educational programs help. We we kind of point. Uh, farmers in in new directions or encourage them to think about new things and that funding helps us move forward and make changes too to improve our production skills mm-hmm. uh, kind of we, we've we've in, started with a new program uh, called the on-farm climate action fund so that's targeted to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and sequester carbon and part of that program is a required attendance at a knowledge sharing event before you can submit your claim for your project. So you find a gathering where people are talking about nitrogen or cover crops or rotational grazing, learn from experts, and it helps to ensure a successful project because then you've seen people who are interested in the same things, you have people to talk to, you can build a network, and that helps to ensure that projects get completed and carry on. A lot of collaboration and a lot of coordination, a lot of dedication as well. So really great to know that all of that's going on in the province. And also, as you said, once one farmer knows, they shares with their friends and it goes out from there. And so the influence is greater, I'm sure, across the nation and even even the world international. I can remember my uh, dad talking about my grandfather in the 40s would go down to some of the states and figure out what was going on to come back to his farm and do things uh, a little bit better, a little bit more efficiently. So farmers are real innovators and uh, and crusaders. This show is called Food for the Future, Margaret. And how does a culture of continuous improvement in soil health and managing at-risk species help create a flourishing food system now and beyond? Well, farmers use their soil to support our livestock and to grow food. And the healthier that soil becomes, the better job it does of both supporting the livestock and growing food and plants. And, and healthy soil is more tolerant to erosion and not as susceptible to disease. So healthy soil is a win for everybody. The more that we can produce, the more society has available. And, you know, less erosion, less disease means less cost for everybody. So it's a win-win. Right. Yeah. And you hear the turn triple bottom line, good for people, good for the planet and good for a profit. But it's because we do have to have farmers staying on the farm. So they need to make money to do that. Fantastic. Are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners, Margaret? Well, we're always happy to talk to anybody who has any questions about any of our workshops, any of the programs, any funding, any research. We're we're happy to have conversations. You're there and available. Good to know. Thank you so much, Margaret, for sharing your expertise and vision with us today. And I'm filled with anticipation about what comes next and really also comfort knowing all of this is happening. Farmers working hard, the association working hard. And thank you very much for all that you do. Thanks for the opportunity. 
Wonderful to have you here today. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about management and innovations in soil health and managing at-risk species with Margaret May, Regional Program Lead at the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, find an at-risk local species near you, and discover ways to create local habitat. Something to do, visit ontariosoilcrop.org to find out what farmers are doing across the province in soil sustainability and help for at-risk species. Next week on the show, we return to the quarterly series, What's in Season? We welcome back Sarah Hood, President of the Culinary Historians of Canada, to discuss old-fashioned holiday baking and modern interpretations. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.